0: Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. One of the, one of the children that was sitting up here right next to me left me a note. Uh, Brother Paul Clayton, one of your daughters... I'm just like, you are, you, are, you, you you, and I, your wife Sarah are doing something right at home because she just wrote me a note that, and she handed it and said, this is for you. And it just fits with the message. I'm going to read it, too. She put here, God is in charge. God loves, loves you. Double love. God is surprising, ain't he? God is creative. I'm getting ready to shout and hoop. God lives, I'm sorry, God gives light. So if if there's any doubt today or any down today, can I just remind you that God is in charge? If you're feeling like, man, has the Lord forgotten me? Can I remind you that God loves, loves you? If you don't know what's going to happen, can I tell you God is surprising? If you think you're going through the same old thing again, and you don't know how it's going to work out, can I let you know God is creative? And for those of you who may be experiencing or living in darkness, can I remind you that God gives light, because he is light. I'm like, I'm ready to go. It's time for the offering. Sister girl just preached. I love that. Oh my goodness, I sure do. We are going to jump back into God's Word. I thank um, Minister Wright last week for, he was correct, preaching a message that I would not preach. If you missed it, it was a blessing and it was encouraging. Thank you, brother. It was one that just reminds me that the Lord has got those that are trusting and serving him, and it was a great reminder and a good chance to actually sit by my wife in service and be blessed. And so that was really grateful. But we're going to jump back into the story, to the account, to the life of Joseph. And um, this was more than just from, you know, from prison to the palace. You were seeing how God keeps, how he develops, how he grows us up. And this one, this is a part four, and I promise you that we're coming to the end of this, and that we said this whole series, this whole part that we did of reunion and reconciliation. Part four, and I'm going to subtitle this, um, From Partial to Full Reunion. Because we saw the last time we were talking about this how Joseph revealed himself in private to his brothers and he revealed God's plan all along that God was working redemptively, that God was working to save, although man, his brothers, were they were working to destroy. And what God was showing us is that Even when humanity seeks to destroy, God fulfills his plans and purposes anyway. That when men and women intend something evil, God can fulfill with that which is good because he fulfills his plans. And that's not just for the story, the account of Joseph. That is a reminder for you and I every day of the week, that as we are faced with evil, and even if evil, hopefully not, comes from our own hands, God knows how to turn it, how to make it, and how to intend it for good. And that that should encourage you to keep living right and to keep doing right, realizing that God is never overcome with evil, which is why he can tell you and I To do not mean to to not to be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good. Because God is good. And so we're going to start chapter 45. We're going to look at verse 21 because we ended just before that at verse 20. And we saw how God had already begun to work on behalf publicly. He had already been working privately. Can I remind someone, we ask God, God, can you work on our behalf? Can I help us to adjust that prayer a little bit? God is always working, period. There isn't a time that he is not working. We just may not see it or be aware of it or he's not revealing it. But as we saw in this story, even when God was silent, seemingly, he was working. And when he brings it out into public, we like to say, won't he do it? And I want to say, he's been doing it. You just caught one part of the story. And we usually like to highlight the benefits. See, he was doing it when Joseph seemed like he was being ignored. He was doing it when Joseph was thrown into that pit by his brothers who hated him. He was doing it when Joseph was sold into slavery and spent years away from his family unjustly. He was still doing it. He was doing it when his brothers had to come back to him not knowing it was him. God was doing it when Joseph revealed himself and his brothers thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And now he's doing it at God publicly, fully reveals and now makes this reunion full and public and he moves toward that end. Let me, let me pray for us and then we're going to jump on in and we're going to look at four things this morning that God did in this, in this public and full reunion and reconciliation. And let us take some examples in heart as God wants to do that in and through our own lives. Father, thank you that we get a chance to get into your word again. Thank you, Lord, that as we study, it is not, Lord, just for information. Actually, Lord, ultimately, it is for transformation. And I pray that we would be transformed as we obey your word. And Father, strengthen us, even if we're discouraged because what we read may look like us. Father, let us know that we can be changed when we look like you. And so we just admit our dependency on you. And we thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. They came in while we were getting ready to do communion. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. John and Jackie Harum. (laughs) Good to have y'all today. (laughs) Oh, it was such a blessing it was, and we had so much fun, y'all, I'm telling you. Let's go ahead and get into God's Word, starting at verse 21. Now, we know, just just to back up f- for a minute, I hope you see in two people in this in this whole account, Joseph and Judah are both, in different ways, types of Christ. Joseph, because here he was, the beloved son that was sent to his people, and they hated him. As a matter of fact, they hated him so much, they wanted to kill him. And in essence, being thrown in that pit is like being buried, and they thought he was dead. But God had other plans. And what he says is that God sent me ahead so that I might save many. That was his comment. God sent me ahead that I might save many. And so in Joseph, we see a type of Christ in that he did go ahead, suffered unjustly, at the hands of evil men, and in the result rose to be ruler, that he might save many. Now, we know Joseph didn't save all of creation. He saved that little family that God promised would turn into a nation. You can't have a nation without a family. That's going to remind us today how important your families are. Because when the families fall apart, guess what's coming next? The nation. And so the issue is our families are ultimately important. See, I am not so bent out of shape that prayer is not in school. I'm bent out of shape that prayer is not in your family. Because whether they pray in school or not, if your family is praying, you're good. I'm not totally been out of shape that they don't want the Word of God in school. What I'm bothered by is the Word of God not being in your family. Because when it's in your family, the kind of child that you'll send to school will know God and know how to share His Word regardless of the environment that they're in, whether it's accepting of it or not. And so what we see here is Joseph goes ahead to prepare the way for his brothers, and then he's like Judah, in that Judah is the first one in in Scripture that was willing to sacrifice himself for the life of another. Now, we know that he's not the perfect type because his sin got Joseph there, but he was willing to sacrifice himself for Benjamin. He was going to take Benjamin's place because he thought Benjamin was going to have to be kept and that the family was going to be destroyed. And so here was a guy who finally got brought around but his type of Christ is that he was willing to give his life and in the result Judah became the one who would lead in kingship. Judah became the one who was the leader of the family. It was no longer the oldest. Reuben failed, we saw in that capacity, just like we as humanity failed. And Judah rose and led the way. And so you see both of them with different parts of who Christ would be in this story. And so we jump in at verse 21. The sons of Israel did so, the instructions that was given to them from from Pharaoh and from Joseph. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes. I love that picture there. He gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. I'm going to stop there for a second, our first point, and I'm going to focus on God's graciousness here, God's gracious gifts. Yes, Joseph was giving them through Pharaoh. Do you notice here that as they are leaving Egypt to go get their father, Pharaoh is providing the resources? God is using the world's resources to meet the needs of his people. That's going to happen again, isn't it? When you turn to the book of Exodus and they leave Egypt, who's providing the resources? God, again, is providing it through the world's resources. Can I remind us today that we not get bent out of shape when it looks like the world is gaining all the resources? They may be to be able to distribute it when God wants it distributed. See, my deal becomes God will take care of his people. And here's what I like. In his graciousness, even when his people aren't always right in doing what's right. See, some of you know what I'm talking about because you know good and well where you are today isn't just because you're that good. You messed up a bunch and are still experiencing blessings graciousness. You are still, see, somebody is still thinking, yeah, but it was my education. It was my resources. You do know God did not have to keep you fit and well that they could have done something on that job that you lost it yesterday. You're still there. They could have ignored you. They could have looked you over because that happens in this world. See, the issue becomes God is at work covering his people. So when he wants to move and you are in the right place, he can move through you. And so I see here he says that he sends them on their way. I love that he gave them a change of clothes. Yes, because on the journey they would need to, but it just speaks of the change that has happened in his brothers. That they, that, that, that they now changed from that bitter group that hated Joseph to receiving from Joseph. And it's interesting here. Remember, his cloak, it was clothes that was at the center of the hatred in the beginning. Remember that? His coat of many colors, and they took it from him. Remember that snatched it from him, dipped it in the animal blood and showed the dad it was clothing. And here we are using clothing again, but this time Joseph isn't snatching it. Talk about forgiveness, maturity. He's grown up. He's not snatching clothes. He's giving them new clothes, fresh clothes, a new way of life. They are leaving Egypt new people, period. And I'm going, God knows how to do it. And here, it's in Egypt. Egypt always represents the world and the world's system. And God can bring that newness to you in the most evil of places. God doesn't need it to be all okay and neat and set up in place to bring a change to you. He can do it where you think it is impossible to be done. He can change when people don't think change can happen. And he brings freshness and new clothes and gives it. I love this. So he sends them on their way. But here's that part about grace. I love what he says. In this this gifting, he gives them new clothes. And then where he was sold for 20 pieces of silver, 20 shekels, he gives 300 to his younger brother. See, where, when he was the one that was dearly loved, even though it was an inordinate love by his dad, Jacob, his brothers saw fit to sell him for 20 pieces. Joseph turns around in this graciousness from God. You can see his mindset has changed because I wouldn't have given two cents to those dudes. 300 shekels? That was a whole lot of money. And he gave it to the youngest, 300, and gave him five chains of clothes. And I could see someone right now being bent out of shape. Why did he get five? They didn't give us any money. Why did he get 300? Remember what I said a few weeks ago? Grace is still grace. And God is the one who chooses how to dispense it. You can put that in anything. Why did he allow her to have that kind of job? I could do that. God's like, that's none of your business. The fact that you are where you are is an act of grace. Remember, I said grace is grace no matter how it comes. Those brothers didn't deserve any of it, and neither did Benjamin. But the fact that Joseph decided to heap it on Benjamin, I love how at the end of that he tells them, when you look further down, look, and as you're going, don't argue, because you already know. We already know. When God decides to bless someone that, I mean, in, in, in your mind, in a more abundant way than he did you, we start arguing. We start getting petty. You get on the way, and you look at, you done changed your clothes once, and he's got four more changes. He's like, hold, 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 hold on. Can I stop and change again, y'all? Y'all be like, this dude. And we start to get upset and mad. And some of us hear that God is allowed to live at a different level, economically speaking. And we get mad. Why didn't he do us like that? See, the issue becomes when you realize from whom it came, and it is an act of grace, it won't bother you. But just in case, God tells us on your journey, on your way, don't argue, don't fight. Enjoy what you've been given. No one say that to us today. Whatever you have, praise God for it. Don't argue, don't fight. He said because the one who gave that to you has got more when He chooses. He didn't run out when he gave it to you. We act like that, don't we? And and I say we because I've done that too. We act like he's never going to have another anything to give to me again. And I'm looking at you and I'm going, why on earth? Man, I could have put that to great use. God's like you could if I wanted it for you. Understand. God sends us on our journey after giving us tremendous grace and says, don't fight. And so God's gracious gift, then there's more. He says, to his father he sent as follows, and we get the whole list, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey I am like, he just, it, it was this overabundance, but it was also to do something later on. And so not only was it this gracious gift, when it arrived, it was this gracious reminder. It was this gracious reminder for Jacob when he got there. So he gets there, and it is, I said reminder, it's really God's gracious news. He gets there, and he, and they're told in verse 25, so they went about of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his, meaning Jacob's, and his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. I mean, come on. How? how, how? Oh, okay, Jacob is still alive. I can believe. Okay, we made the mistake. We thought he was dead. Somehow he was alive. But then you come and he's ruler over all of G, uh, all of over all of Egypt. Come on, you and I be like, yeah, right. Okay, you had me with the first part of the story, but you just messed it up. With, and he's ruler. But God does the. God is surprising. And God is creative. See, he didn't just save the family. He saved the family by placing the one that you tried to kill at the top of the place that you needed to go to be saved. Wow. Wow. And so this gracious news was God has saved Joseph in essence and he's put him in the place to save us. Here's what I like. Listen to what they talk about here. They don't talk about because you you know us. God's gracious news, we would have listened to part of it. The fact that Joseph is alive is good. But do you know what that means financially for the family, that he is ruler over all of Egypt? They didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about, we about to get paid. (laughs) Joseph is at the top. Life is going to be good. I'm I'm just being real. We walk on back, and it's like, wow. Joseph, look, Joseph is head, buddy. And here's my deal, though. They no longer focus on that. Remember, they've been changed. What they focus on is Joseph is still alive. And yes, he's at the head, but he says, Dad, he's still alive. And he said he was numb like any of us would have been. Remember now, this is about 37 years have passed. I'm sorry, he's 37, sorry. He's now 37 And remember, 17, so 20 years have passed, 20 years have passed, 20. And he hadn't seen his father in 20 years. And now his father is like, I'm numb because you told me two things that seemed impossible. One, he was alive. Two, he's over the place that we need to go to be saved. And I love what he does here. Is that he says he didn't believe him. He's just like you and I. And see, I love how the Lord in his grace worked this out. What did God do? He knew Joseph was gonna, I mean, Jacob was gonna have a hard time believing. He knew it. So he sent all that stuff. To convince him that what was being said was true. Because he knew his boys, remember, these were the boys in the beginning, whenever the famine came, that they were standing there looking at one another. That's what the scripture says. They were standing around looking at one another. And his father said, Why are you standing here looking at one another? Go get some food. So he knew these that he knew these boys would not come back with all that unless something miraculous happened. They weren't that bright. And so they show up with all this stuff, and he was like, it must be. I'm thinking, because I know y'all didn't do this. And while we're laughing at them, come on, there's some of the stuff that has happened in our lives, and people are looking at us going, I know it's Jesus. Jesus. Because you? Oh, come on. People say that. It's, it's, it's funny for me that people say that about me because they're like, you stand up in front of others and preach? I was like, you know it's got to be Jesus. Because I couldn't string two sentences together, stuttered so bad. See, God will surprise us. Why? Because He wants to get the glory out of you. So, see. You'll enjoy it in the process, but you were never the end goal. That's why when we get beside ourselves and we start thinking we're better than others, we miss the point. The point is always God. And he wants to get the glory from what he does to you and through you. And so what he did here, God's gracious news, is that he's alive. And when he sees it, verse 28, Here's what you notice, just real quick. You notice Jacob and Israel being used for the same person. Why? Many times when you see Jacob being used, is him in his frail, sinful, sinful humanity that needs to depend on God, and you see his dependence on the will of God. When you mention Israel, he is usually acting in his leadership form and as that one who would usher in the promised nation that God had covenanted with him. So you see Jacob mentioned and you see Israel at the end. You see, and Israel said, because remember, he is revived. Because if you go back a few verses, it says that, um, it says, verse 26, and they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when he, when they told him that, I mean, I'm sorry, but when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob was revived. See, here was the I need, and he needed, and was dependent on God, and he was was revived in his frail humanity. But then you go down to the next verse. And Israel, you think he's talking about someone else. And Israel said, it is enough, meaning I believe it. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And now you see a man acting in leadership because God moved, not because Jacob moved, not even because Joseph moved. His spirit was revived because God was at work. Somebody today, you need to be revived, and it won't come because of something alone that your friend does. God may be using a friend. God may be using some resources, but God is choosing to revive you, and he's using others in the process. Sometimes he wants the others to be you. And sometimes it will be what you've been through, however hard and difficult it is. And you will be whom he uses to revive somebody else. Will you allow yourself to be used? But then we see God's gracious promise coming down to the close. God's gracious promise. Chapter 46, verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Jacob. I mean, right, to the God of his father, Jacob. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here it is again, the one who is dependent on God. Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. That's a prophetic thought right there. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. The promise that he made. See, because God makes promises to us that will hit needs in our life because you already know there was some concern in Joseph although he was convinced that his son was in leadership in Egypt i'm sure he was concerned about what life in Egypt because he heard about it down the line his great grandfather went down to Egypt and had some issue and his father also had issue And so now, you heard the stories about Egypt. What am I going to do? And God says, look, whereas I sent Joseph down to save many, I love this. God's promise is, I myself am going down with you. See, whereas God may send others ahead, God is reminding you and I, I'm going with you myself. I'm not sending an agent anymore. And when Christ came, God said, I'm coming myself. And he sends you and I. Look, can we realize and stop worrying when God sends us? God says, I'm going with you. And I love this. God says, I'm going down with you. See, because we don't normally think going down has God with us. We only like to say God is with us when we're on the upswing. God's with me. Brothers, I'm blessed. God provided. I'm blessed. Do we ever say I'm blessed when you're on the downswing? See, the issue becomes as long as God is with you, you are blessed. I love this. When God said, when I read it, look, remember, every time they went down to Egypt, It was a humbling or humiliating situation. This time, when Jacob is going down, he is going down in honor, and he is going down in strength. Why? God says, I myself will go down with you. See, somebody needs to realize and know today, God is allowing you to go down, but he is lock and step with you that depth of sorrow that you may or that or, or or that which you are concerned about that which you are worried about that which you are unsure about God says I'm right there with you right there with you and he says not only that there I will cause you to grow greatly Why? Because when God goes with you down, down might as well be up because it's just as good. And so it's a reminder for us today. Listen, if God ordains down, take me down. Oh, I'm not going to be skipping and happy. Oh, it may hurt. It may be different. It may be out of what I wanted, but if God wants it? See, I some things that 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 we've had to handle and have been going through, I've been saying, you know, God, I really wish you would do. And God's been really calling me on that. Do you really? Even if I don't want that for you? Do you really wish I would? I was, "No, I don't." <laughs> and so then it was, the change was, "God, I want what you have, but man, I really don't want that pain with it. And God says, but if I wanted that, do you not want it? Okay, no. But this, Okay, God, I want what you have. Just prepare me for whatever you have coming. And that's what he wants us to do. See, the prayer is, oh, God, keep me from that. Mm, no. As much as I want to say that, The issue is more, God, lead me to where you know is going to grow me the greatest and give me the grace that I can handle it even if it hurts. Because it would be in Egypt that they would grow into a nation. Can I remind y'all, just because we in the world, can we stop thinking that the church is all going to fall apart? Lord, help us. The church is not going to be able to stay God. is like, I don't know what church you're talking about. But my church, he did have this phrase that said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, the issue becomes for you and I, God says, don't worry about your environment. I'm going down with you just make sure you stay with me. That's it. So, even if you're in the most evil of scenarios, you are the most unwelcomed and unwanted. It doesn't matter. God says, I myself am going down with you. Now, let me help you. If you've never come into a relationship with Christ, that doesn't mean you you're not in the family. You can't claim God is with you. Some stranger on the street can't claim I'm going to go anywhere with them if I don't know you. They can point point say, he's going to go with me. I'm like, I don't know you. And my kids, my son's kids are like, my dad's coming. Yep, I am. But some stranger be like, yeah, 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 that guy, he's going to come with me. I'm going to turn around. You must be pointing to somebody behind me because I'm not going in. I don't know you. But when you have that relationship now, wherever God wants you to be, He's going to go with you. Please remember that. I know today, when we go through, we don't want to hear it. We don't. When we go through, we forget it. But understand that God is there. God's gracious promise. He says, I will go with you. He says, do not be afraid to go down. I myself will go with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. Wow, that's interesting, because what did he mean by that? Because Joseph would die there. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, Jacob would die there, and you'll see it later. But his promise was you, meaning the nation. And yes, he himself, because later we'll see, his bones was brought up and he was buried back in the land of Canaan. But when God says, I will go up with, I will bring you up, you is the plural you, you as a nation, because we know after they spent hundreds of years there and they would be in captivity, which they did not know at this point, God would bring them up again. See, the issue becomes you see God, always in control, never losing and never wondering how there is no plan B with God. There is always plan A. God has no plan B. Well, I guess it's plan B for me. God knew what you were going to do. It's still plan A, period. And if you don't realize that, you'll always be worried. What's God going to do? God's going, what are you going to do? I know what I'm going to do. And so lastly... Lastly, God's gracious. I was going to go with God's gracious unification, but I am going to save that one. We are not going to do that one today because this one requires just a bit more time than I want to spend, than we're going to spend today. God's gracious promise and that they made it there. Then Jacob set out, verse 5, from Beersheba, the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all of his offspring he brought with him to Egypt. God's promise, and Jacob fully embraced it, fully embraced it. I'm going to say four for our next time, because it is interesting in verse 28 through the end of chapter 46, of that they're unified, and yet God, I mean, and yet they're, There also, there is this designation made about being a shepherd. I want to spend some time in that because God is not only dealing with the now, but he's looking forward to the future with that. And what does that mean for us? So let me go over. We said the first one was God's gracious gift. He gave to them lavishly. And as he told them, as he gave the gifts, he said, don't fight. Don't fight. When I give gifts, don't fight. Just enjoy it and enjoy it on the journey. Then he gave the gracious news that many times for us is just surprising. We are just amazed at what God will do to bring us together with one another um, after being brought together with him. And then lastly, God's gracious promise that I will be with you even when I go down or when you must go down, I will go down with you do not be afraid to be in the world because I'm with you. I want to give that to us today. God is telling you and I, our world is crazy. And sometimes we've had a hand in making it crazy, but our world is crazy. And God is telling you and I, don't be afraid to be in the world. What did Jesus tell his followers? In this world, you will have tribulation. Didn't he say that? In this world, in Egypt, because all of the planet is like Egypt. In this world, you will have tribulation. But he says to us, but take heart or be encouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Why? I have over... He didn't say because I'm going to make it easy for you, because that's how I would finish that sentence. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart... I'm going to make sure you experience no problems at all. Nope. What he says is, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what he is saying is, whatever the world is doing, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Why? Because the world can't overcome my purposes. Thus, whatever is happening in the world is under my I in hand, and he's already said, I myself will go with you or be with you in Egypt. Why? That's why Jesus can say in Matthew, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, and we know that the therefore is because of the statement, go. As you go, do what? Make disciples. As you go, do what? there you go. See, here's what he's saying. He sends you out, and then he says at the end, and wait, remember, remember, oh, look, 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 look with amazement. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so he tells you and I what he told Jacob. Don't be afraid to go into Egypt, because I myself am with you. Jesus just reiterated it later when he rose from the grave and he says to you and I, go. Don't be afraid. He says, because I'm with you. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.